Good morning. Nice to see you, Joe. Is anyone else here? Why don't we grab a seat? Well, I've got the real privilege this morning of sharing the word with you, and I'm really excited because I feel like yesterday I found the breakthrough. I was, I was praying this week, and I was like, God, what is it that you really want to say? And I just felt like, I'm not landing this. I can't find the edge. And then last night, I feel like God really brought the revelation home. So I'm excited for what he's going to bring to us today. And we are continuing our series, Eight Keys to Sharing Our Faith Effectively. It's all about being an effective witness for Christ and enjoying the lifestyle and the success that goes along with that. Now, I'm going to put you to the test and see if you guys have been paying attention. So everyone close your notebooks for a second. (laughs) Teacher time, and teacher dog is out. Who can remember, and I've got some prizes for those people. Who can remember, yeah, the stakes are on. Who can remember our first key to sharing our faith effectively? Such good lives. Well done, Karis. Live such good lives. She does the slides. Um, Live like foreigners. Pastor Clive was sharing with us about how it's like our passport is for the kingdom of heaven, and yet we live in the world, and we're to be ambassadors for Christ where we live. Such good lives. Well done, Karis. First galaxy bar for you. What about key number two? Live differently. Good job. What was, what was the point of it, Jill? What was the idea? <laughs> to live differently too? I'm glad it sunk in. Respect our leaders. Good. Who do we give it to? Ooh. Jill's being more holy. Well done, Caroline. The title was, the title was Be Different, and... Um, Pastor Sally was um, encouraging us to be model citizens, to respect our leaders in the face of disrespect. And um, she said something really great that really stuck with me, and she said, your life might be the only Bible that some people ever read. So what does your life look like? And then Steve brought a great word, which was better. But what was better? What was it that was better in our lives? We work life. We work better. And what do we do in work? We put up and we endure. We trust our injustices to God and allow him to bring the breakthrough for us. And we live such good lives and better in our work. Setting aside our right to react. Is that right, Steve? Excellent. Okay, Helen, I'm going to give that one to you. Sorry, Helen. And then last week, come on, this should be an easier one because this was just last week. Ben shared a great message about being fully healed. And what was the idea? We can't help other people if we aren't healed ourselves. Carol got that one. I feel like I shouldn't throw it, so I'm going to throw it to Lily, who can pass it along. That's right. We have to face up to our hurts and our issues in our lives. We have to open up for God to heal us if we are to be an effective witness. 
Now, if you've been observant over the last few weeks, you may have noticed that all of these keys so far don't actually have anything to do with actually talking to people. Interesting. Now, you'd think, surely if we're doing a series on how to be an effective witness, you'd be getting a unpacking how to, what exactly to say, what kind of sentence or phrase is really going to draw people out, bring them on their knees to repentance and bring the gospel home. Right? Well, actually, I think that one of the most important things that we can have in our lives to be effective witnesses for Christ is credibility. People have to see that the gospel is working in our lives and working for us, changing us, so that they can trust and know that the gospel can work for them too. And you may have heard of a market research company called Ipsos Mori. I think we have a picture of their logo. And they are a social research institute. They do um, surveys every year in the UK on, and internationally on different things. And one of their famous ones is called the Veracity Index. Now, it sounds much more posh than I think it actually is. The Veracity Index indicates British people's trust in different professions. What is the most trusted profession in the UK and what is the least? They asked the question, something like, if I was to name this profession to you, would you generally trust them to tell the truth? And this is what people said. Do, before we go on to the answers, can anyone have a guess as to who they think might be the most trusted profession? Close. It's not a doctor, it's a nurse. Well done. Big shout out to all the nurses. So nurses, before we come on to all the answers, nurses are at number one. They are the most trusted profession. It's something like 93% of people will trust a nurse to tell them the truth. Closely followed by doctors. Don't know why they don't trust the doctors as much. Maybe they think they're too clever. <laughs> they never see them. Um, I think it's like... 91% of people trust uh, doctors to tell them the truth, closely followed by teachers. So I feel like we're doing well. Um, can we bring up the results for the most trusted professions? So we've got the nurse at number one. We've got, um, it's very hard to see, we've got doctors number two, teachers number three, professors at university number four, obviously not as trustworthy as teachers. They don't have to put up with teenagers every day. And scientists then at number five. But that brings me also to the question of what are the least trusted professions in the UK? Estate agents are down there, but they are not at the bottom. Journalists are down there, they're not the worst. Bankers are down there, they're not the worst. Christian? Politicians. That is right. Let's bring up the results. Um, only 19% of people in the UK trust a government minister to tell them the truth. And politicians in general, only 17%. Sorry, Lily. But if you're to trust anyone in our marriage, trust me, because I'm the trustworthy teacher. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Now, today's first challenge question is this. Is my life like a nurse? or a politician? <laughs> How much credibility do I have if my neighbor or my work colleague, my classmate, someone in my family was to take a good look at my life? 
would they really see the gospel working in me? If someone was to take a good look at my life, would they really see the gospel at work and working in me? That's what credibility is. And that's why it's so important to have that in our lives, to be effective witnesses for Christ. So I have the privilege today of bringing you key number five. All of that was a preamble to today, which is the key of blessing. And we're going to have a look at a verse of scripture. But before we do, I want us to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts today to your word. Speak into my life, minister to my heart. Help me to understand your word so that I can put it into practice and be an effective witness and a blessing for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9, and then 13 and 14. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 and 13 and 14, and I believe that the passage will come up on the screen. It says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Who is going to harm you? if you are eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do you want to be an effective witness for the gospel? Then be a blessing. That's the first point if you would like to make notes today. Be a blessing. Turn to the person next to you and say, be a blessing. Be a blessing. Good. Now, as a languages teacher, I'm always interested in words and where words come from and the meaning of words. And I find it particularly interesting that in Spanish, we seem to have a Spanish theme this morning, the word blessing in Spanish is the word bendición. Can you say that to the person next to you? Bendición. Bendición. And that literally means a good word or a good saying. And I think that's really interesting about what the word blessing actually is. Be a good word in your life. Speak good words. If people were to examine your life, would they have a good word to say about your life? That's what being a blessing is. And I believe that being a blessing is one of the greatest ways to be an effective witness for the gospel. And in Clive and Sally's leadership team at the moment, we've been reading a book called Miraculous Movements by Jerry Truesdale. It's an excellent book, and I highly recommend it if you haven't read it yet. And it's about how God is doing an amazing work in North Africa among Islamic communities and how countless Muslims have found relationship, they've found joy, they've found hope in Jesus. And there's a great story in the book about this guy called Wasim. Wasim used to be an Islamic sheikh and then he turned his life to Jesus and found everything that he was looking for and he decided that he didn't want to just keep it to himself. So he felt called to this little village And this village was a really remote village in North Africa. And in that village, it was something like 97% of the population were Muslim. And the story ends with Wasim sharing the gospel in the village community's courthouse 
and the Muslim chief of that village saying, I and my community are willing to give our lives to Jesus. And that day, 68 men and women got baptized. Isn't that amazing? But how did he do it? How did he go from being just one man by himself in this area that seemed where the odds were overwhelmingly against him to seeing such a miraculous movement of God in that day? And the key was this. He was a blessing to their community. What he'd noticed was that their town was so remote that they lacked access to the simple resources that they needed to make their lives a bit easier. So what he did was he would make notes of the things that the people in the town needed. And he, with the little money he would have, he would go to the nearest town that had those supplies, which was 30 kilometers away. And he didn't have any mode of transport except for his two legs. And every day he would walk to the town, buy the supplies that were needed, walk all the way back, and he would sell those things in the town for a very, very small profit. He barely made a living on the profit that he made. But every time he made a sale, he would smile and say something like, do you know that God loves you? And it required this big sacrifice on his part to make those long walks and make such little money, but he did make many friends. And after several weeks of this, his encouraging words became the main reason that people bought those small things from him. Rather than the price or the availability, people were gathering towards him because they just knew that he had something different about him. Be a blessing. Turn to the person next to you say, be a blessing. Now, how do we be a blessing? Sounds strange. How do we be a blessing in our lives? How to be a blessing? You could look it up on Google, but I don't think you really need to. Before I jump into this point, I think one of the things that amuses me no end is that in our church, have you ever noticed that we say, bless you? A lot. Like, it's like, see you later. Oh, bless you. Bye. Oh, I'm not feeling so much. Oh, bless you. Um, it's, you know, how are you? Oh, bless you. Okay. Hi. Bless you. It's like, it's like this word that we have in our culture and, and we say it all the time. And I wonder if, do we really mean it? Do we know what we're saying? It's a good thing. But I think this is what it means to be a blessing. I think Peter points it out to us in verse 8. If we look at um, chapter 3, verse 8, Peter said, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. If we want to know what it means to be a blessing, I think that these are the keys for us to look at. You know, in doing family right with each other as a church, in being a blessing to each other, we are being an effective witness. Did you know that? You know, that's what drew me to this church as an 18-year-old student. I always joked that I was looking for a church that felt like family, and I got a lot more than I bargained for. <laughs> you know, you should, you should have show compassion to me and Ben. It's, it's hard having pastors in law in life. It's not hard at all. But... Um, you know, I, I really, I wanted a church that felt like family. I was drawn here because I could see that this church was a family of believers that was a blessing to each other. And it was something that I really wanted for myself. And I wanted to feel a part of as well. So how do we be a blessing to each other? And I think these five things are really key for us to understand. 
And the first thing is this being like-minded, thinking along the same wavelength. And for this little point, I need eight volunteers. That's quite a lot of you. So are we going to have volunteers, or am I going to have to do that teacher thing where I pick on people? Right, thank you. One, two, three, four, thank you. Five, six, seven, and are we lacking one? I think we're lacking one. Come on. Thank you, Roxanne. Okay. So, um, Joe is going to be our Billy No God. And Billy No God, step forward. Billy No God is searching for meaning in his life. He's fed up with the situation as it is. He's got a successful job. He's got a great wife. He's got an amazing dog called Ben. But it just doesn't feel like enough. There's something missing, and he's looking for something more. Now, if we are like-minded, we can find how to be an effective blessing in our church. And Billy No Mates can find, Billy, not No Mates, Billy No God. He's got his dog. He's got his dog. He's okay. (laughs) Billy No God can find his purpose and his meaning. But what would happen if, let's go to person number one over here. Person number one has a mind like this. Hi, person number one. Person number one says, well, you know, God's got bigger things on his plate than worrying about my language. My language doesn't really matter. Sometimes I say the odd bad word, but it's not really that important because ultimately salvation is much bigger than the words that we speak, right? So person number one is kind of about here in their thinking. Person number two is the person that says, you know, I want to be an effective witness and reach out to people. And I think one of the best, most lost people are all those people out in the nightclubs. So I'm going to go out to the nightclubs and I'm going to hang out with them and get to know them and do all the things that they get up to so that I can understand their culture. Forget all that about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd rather be filled with the alcohol to make the conversation flow. And they're probably about here in their thinking. What about this person? This person doesn't trust the young people of church. All of those passions and that hormones, and it's just not good. This person thinks that no one in the church should have a relationship until they're at least 30 years old, so let's draw the line about here, and that's where their thinking is. Okay. Now, this person thinks the Bible is the absolute authority in all of my life. So everything that I do and think and say has to be put through the, through the lens of the Bible, right? So they're about here in their thinking. And then we've got this person over here who says, you know, I think when it comes to the Bible, I'm going to, I'll tell you what Jesus says, because Jesus is the Son of God, but everything else, it's not as important. So I think I'm going to just like stand a bit here and I'll, I'll take some of it, but if I, don't, if I don't really like it for my life, then I'm going to ignore it. Person number six says, Jesus worked with 12 people. So I want to do the same and develop them to become leaders too. So they're about here in their thinking. And then person number seven over here is about to go on their gap yard. And, you know, he feels so called to reach out to the lost of Vietnam. So he's really starting his gap yard in September, yeah, to really, you know, share, uh, yeah, the love of, the love of Jesus. I don't know what happened there with my accent, but it just turned a little bit 
Kiwi. <laughs> and then Billy No God over here is looking for a place to feel at home. Come here, Billy No God. And he wants to get caught in the net and feel a part of things. But look how easy it is for Billy No God to slip through the cracks and not find his place among a family of believers. But if we align our thinking, come on, if we align our thinking, Billy No Mates finds his place. He finds what to think. He finds what to believe. He finds that hope and that future and that purpose for his life. Thank you very much, guys. You've been great. Give him a round of applause. If we're to be like-minded, does that mean that we all need to dress the same, like the same music, eat exactly the same food? No, that would be boring. What it means is to have the mind of Christ. Not even the mind of Clive, as great as that mind is. I know that that's a very clever mind, but if together we have the mind of Christ, that's what it means to be like-minded. Turn to the person next to you say, think like Christ. Think like Christ. The second thing I see from this verse is be sympathetic. And this is where, if we speak life languages for a moment, I believe that the responder life language really shines. Do we have any top responder life language people in the room this morning? All right, you can give yourself a pat on the back. Because the responder life language, key strength is... I hope I got this right. To seek first to understand and then be understood. It's good. That's good. (laughs) Seek first to understand and then be understood. Remember this as well. You're not the only person in church who finds other people difficult. You know, maybe other people are having problems getting on with you as well as you are (laughs) with them. Why don't you say that to the person next to you just to give them a bit of a reality check this morning. Other people might have trouble getting on with you as well as you with them. It's a bit personal this morning. You know, but everybody, everybody has their battles to fight. I remember one day at school, I'd set some homework for my sick formers. And they'd had like a month or a... a, I think it was Christmas holidays to do this homework, and one of them had come back and not done any of the homework. Now I felt this rage rising up inside. Come on, you're 16, you've grown up. Why have you not done your homework? And I was about to really lay into her. Sir, what's happened is that my dad was let out of prison over the holidays, and my family's having a bit of a hard time to adjust. Suddenly, The homework doesn't seem like such a big deal. And if we understand people, maybe we can have a bit more sympathy and be more of a blessing. The third thing I see in this passage is love one another. Now this goes without saying. We're in this for the long haul, remember. And if we don't have love, what do we have? And remember that Peter is speaking here to all of you. He says, finally, all of you, Love one another. We can't love selectively in church. We can't just love the students. We can't just love the people in our city group. 
we can't just love the people that dress like us and think like us and, and like the same things of, as us. What about the people who we don't find so easy to get on with? What about the people that we don't immediately click with? We're called to love our neighbor like the Samaritan loved the beaten down and out Jewish man laying on the roadside. The fourth thing I see in this is to be compassionate. Now Jesus is a great example of compassion. Remember that this gospel that we are a witness of is a gospel of grace. And Jesus in one of his greatest moments, one of the greatest miracles I think that we read about in the Bible is when Really, he just wanted some alone time. He wanted to get some time away by himself and bless himself and enjoy the presence of God. And yet he saw these people and had compassion on them. And he chose to put aside what was going to bless him and bless the people instead. You know what that led to? The world's greatest picnic. Twelve leftover baskets from five loaves and two fish. All because Jesus chose to be compassionate and put other people first. So can we put aside our own wants and our own needs this week and be a blessing to somebody else first? And the fifth thing I see is this. Be humble. Be humble. Now, there's a funny story about this in that uh, many years ago when I was a student, I, I went on a mission trip to China And it was a great time. We spent three weeks in the campuses of different universities sharing the gospel with Chinese students. But before we really went out onto those campuses, I remember we had a little team team meeting, and part of the meeting was to get together and understand each other better as a team so that we could work more effectively as a team together. And one of the exercises was to share what we thought were our key strengths and what we found really difficult, what our weaknesses were as well. And when it got around to me to share one of my strengths, with all honesty, without trying to be funny or anything, I said, I think one of my key strengths is that I'm really humble. (laughs) And I never, ever lived that one down. That was the most humble thing I've ever said, I think. But it's really important in church that we understand what true humility is. I think often we confuse humility with self-pity. We think that being humble is like saying, oh, I'm not very much, it's just little old me, I don't really amount to much, I'm not that important, so I can't really achieve that much. And we think that that's us being humble. But that's not the case. I think that's an excuse, really, for not doing what God has called us to do and be everything that God has called us to be. Humility is a great characteristic of a true disciple. It's not about thinking lowly of yourself. But I saw this yesterday. A humble person is willing to accept or respect another's authority, to respect their intellect and wisdom or superiority without trying to challenge it or trying to assert themselves. Does that sound like being a good disciple? I think so. We accept our leader's authority We accept Christ's authority in our lives. We know and we're confident of who we are in Christ. That's what it means to be humble. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm humble. 
I know who I am in Christ. Okay. So we've got be a blessing. We've got how to be a blessing. What about when to be a blessing? When to be a blessing. In verse 9, Peter writes, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Now, I think it's easy to be a blessing when other people are blessing you. That's not hard. We receive, so we give. We're shown kindness, so we show kindness back. But does that make us any different to anybody else? What about when people are not blessing us? What about when situations aren't going so well, when the, pre- when the stress and the pressure begin to rise? I think one of the hardest times for this is when we are in the car. Anybody know that car you is sometimes quite different to normal you walking around in the street? How does the car you react to injustice and unfairness compared to normal you at work or normal you at home? I remember driving home from work one, one night last year. It was a dark evening, um, and I drive past Richardson D's Park in Wall's End, and um, there's a little bit on the road there where they have two, two small annoying things that you have to curve around. Do you know what I mean? Those things that slow the traffic down and you have to give way. And traffic calming. That sounds much nicer. Traffic calming islands. And there was a section where you have to give way to the person coming on to you. And they, when you get to them, they give way to you. And I'd, you know, I, I feel like I've been driving for a few years, so I know how to drive. I can judge my distances. I can judge my time. And I figured that I had plenty of time to get myself through the traffic calming measures, the traffic calming measures before the other guy coming towards me would have to slow down and that we could pass each other in the middle and all would be fine. So I go around the island and then the next thing I know, the lights in the distance are coming more and more over to my side of the road. Next thing I know, those lights are right in front of me, and I pull in and I slow down to a stop, and then the car stops right in front of me like that. And my heart was going like this. What's this guy doing? Next thing I know, the car pulls to the side of me. He rolls his window down. I think, what's going on? I roll my window down. Next thing I know, I have an onslaught of insult and abuse and bad language, and can't you see that it's a one-way system? You're going the wrong way. Everything in me wanted to justify myself and say, actually, that's a giveaway. It's not a one-way. You had plenty of time to go past. I had plenty of time to get, But I thought, you know what? This is not going to be a blessing in this situation. So I did what Pastor Dominique from France taught me to do. You know what he says? Lord, we pray for the sick. Would you heal them of their bad driving skills? <laughs> I didn't get there and pray for them right there and then. I thought, you know, the, best, the blessing here is to know when to walk away or know when to drive away. And, and it's the same in our lives, though. 
What about when situations are not so easy? My story there is nothing compared to the story of this man called Louis Zamperini. He was an Italian-American soldier who fought in the Second World War, and they made a movie about him a few years ago called Unbroken. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's an incredible movie, um, strangely directed by Angelina Jolie, who I thought would not do a great job, but it's an excellent movie that tells this story because I think the reason it's a great movie is because this guy's story is such an incredible story. What happened was that he got shot down over the Pacific Ocean and stranded in the middle of the ocean with his co-pilots. And they spent days adrift, you know, um, trying to shield themselves from the scorching sun, um, really thirsty, really hungry. It was a really bad situation. He'd not done anything to deserve that. And then one day they see a boat come along. Yes, help is on the way. But it got worse. It wasn't friends to come and help him. It was a Japanese ship that noticed that these were American soldiers. And they went from being stranded in the middle of the ocean to becoming prisoners of war in a Japanese war camp. And he was there for many years under severe punishment and treatment and awful conditions and tortured by the prison guards there. And on his return to America, he found in his heart the power to forgive. And he actually became a great associate of the evangelist Billy Graham and taught many people what it means to forgive and how he could go and forgive. And he actually went back to Japan personally to the cells where these guards were being imprisoned, imprisoned for what they'd done. And he said, I forgive you. He was able to bless in the face of such awful opposition. And in the end, he had the honor of um, carrying the Olympic torch. Was it the Olympic torch? Through, um, through the cities of Japan because of the choice that he'd made to bless in the face of a difficult situation. So when do we be a blessing? In every situation, especially the hard ones. I believe that being a blessing is a choice. It's about doing the right thing every time. It's about not making excuses like, I can't do that, I'm too busy, I've got too much on my plate. And I'm not talking about running yourself ragged. I'm not talking about being a doormat for other people to step all over, but blessing people where the Spirit leads us in every situation that we can. Someone needs a place to stay. Can I offer a room? Someone needs a meal. Can we provide? Someone got a puncture in their tire and got stuck the other side of the, of the city. That's happened to me. <laughs> Can we go and rescue? Thanks, Adam and Jane, for that. Mum got mad at me for something that wasn't my fault and is now having a go at me. Can I let it go? Being a blessing is a choice. It's about choosing to be the right person in the face of other people being the wrong person. I choose to be like Christ in every situation. I choose right when other people choose wrong. And here's the thing. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me early this morning about this. He told me, you have more capacity in your life to be a blessing than you think you do. I'm going to say that again because I felt that was really on the Holy Spirit's heart this morning. You have more capacity in your life to be a blessing than you think that you do. One of the great encouragements that 
I've held for my own life this year was a message that Ben shared to us about the prophet Elijah going to the widow and her son who was about to bake the last cake before she died. And he says, make me a cake. Well, surely if there's no more flour and there's, there's only enough for me and my son, then why should, why should I bless you first before I bless myself? And yet out of obedience to God, she does it. And the promise of the prophet is this, the jar of flour will not run out and the oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. You know there is blessing in being a blessing. There is grace and provision from God to be a blessing today. You can only bless others when you abandon your right to react. You don't bless when you feel like it. You bless because it's the right thing to do. You don't need to answer back. You don't need to justify yourself. God says vengeance is mine. I will repay. And as Steve taught us recently, we can leave that to God. Our right to react, our right to feel like, oh, actually, I should put myself first in this situation. We can leave that to God. Be a Daniel. What does Daniel mean, Andy? God is the judge. God is my judge. To quote Sylvester Stallone, the great man in Rocky Balboa, he said, life, I can't do this, life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. No, that's not his voice at all, is it? <laughs> life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. There will be difficulty and opposition along the way. And even when we do the right things, sometimes it will be hard. But the key question that we need to ask ourselves today is this. Can I be a blessing in the face of opposition and bad treatment? Can I be a blessing in the face of opposition and bad treatment? And I believe that both we and Peter share the ultimate example of someone who is a blessing in the face of opposition and unfair treatment. That's Christ. He didn't deserve to be treated badly. He was fair, righteous, good. He was perfect even. He could have easily justified reacting and opposing back. And yet in the face of it all, What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What an example. What a man. Earlier on in the book of Peter, he writes of Jesus. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Today, entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. And even when it's not fair, make the choice to be a blessing. And here's the thing, if we look at verse nine, we see that we only receive the blessing when we bless others. Do you wanna receive a blessing from God today? Do you wanna share your faith effectively and be an effective witness for the gospel? Then be a blessing and bless others. Why don't we stand to our feet?
We're going to make a few different kinds of responses this morning. And the first one is this. The greatest blessing in our lives is knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's no greater joy. There's no greater meaning. There's no greater purpose. There's no greater future than the one that is found in Jesus. And this morning, if you've never made that commitment to put Jesus first in your life, there's no time like the present. The greatest blessing is available to you today. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I'd like you guys to repeat it in your hearts. Actually, repeat it out loud with me. And if you prayed it for the first time, in a moment, I'd like you to raise your hand so that I can see who you are. So just say with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the greatest blessing that you gave your life for me on the cross of Calvary. Lord God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for when I've turned my back on you. Today, would you come and enter my life? Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I receive you in my heart. Just while every head is bowed and our eyes are closed, did anyone pray that for the first time today? The greatest decision that you can ever make. Just raise your hand if that's you. of us, I think there's a great opportunity today to be more like Christ. I've got a prayer that's going to come up on the screen. Why don't we say it together? Lord Jesus, thank you for being the ultimate example of blessing, even in the face of unfair opposition. Today, I choose to be a blessing in every situation so that I can be an effective witness for you. Amen. Amen. Do you want to receive that blessing from God? Do you want to be an effective witness? Be that blessing. And my encouragement and my challenge for you this week is to really think about a practical situation that you can be a blessing in. Can you provide a meal? Can you provide a place to stay? Can you provide shelter where people need shelter? Can you provide a drink where someone needs a drink even? Because remember, even if you do this to the least of people, you do it to Christ. And it's the greatest blessing to live. Thank you, guys. Bless you.